Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. It's a pleasure to be back. I've been away a bit. My husband and I uh, were in Jamaica for our daughter's wedding, and uh, so that was great. And then uh, I just got back from Central Asia, where I, where Peter and I worked for many years as uh, missionary workers, and I was able to meet with quite a few of our old friends and colleagues there. So uh, today... I just realized how beautiful it is in the Creston Valley and how appropriate it is to be talking about birds and flowers today because it's just wonderful outside. So let's take a look first at what we've been talking about in the last little while on the King's Speech, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, we've been talking about quite a few things. I think uh, Maddie and Bill talked uh, a few weeks ago about... Um, why don't you flip to the next thing here? The religious life. And it seems to be like the Sermon on the Mount is built on, con- on contrasts. One is how society is or how the religious world is and how we should be. And you'll see that throughout the whole Sermon on the Mount. You've heard that it's said this way, but I tell you this. So in the last little while, what we looked at the religious life and basically in society as it was, the religious life was for the public audience and for public praise. But what, what Christ requires is that the religious life should have a private audience before God alone and for his praise. And then uh, Dan talked last week about money and treasures. Uh, how it is, is people store up their money in bank accounts in various ways. All their treasures are on earth, but how it should be is we should be storing up our treasures as acts of righteousness to be remembered for eternity. And today, we're looking at what we should seek, really. We talk about worry, but worry is a kind of a sideline on this passage. The real focus is, what should we be seeking? So in society, seeking and focusing on physical needs, like what we eat and what we wear. But what we should be seeking is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So we're going to unpack that passage today and just take a look at it. So I'd like to pray first before we get started. So I want to thank you, Lord, that I have the privilege of standing here. And I pray that as I speak, Lord, it would be your spirit through me that speaks to the hearts of people. I pray, Lord, that you would make this passage clear and that you would open people's hearts to things that they need to understand and learn just as you open mine. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me start out first by reading the passage. Because of this, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or what you drink, nor about your body, what you put on. Isn't life more than food? And isn't the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they don't sow or reap, nor do they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than these? And which of you, by worrying, is able to add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothes? Consider the lilies of the valley, of the field, 
how they grow. They neither labor or do they spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field which exists today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we put on? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Okay, let's just, uh, I was in the grocery store the other day noticing the magazine rack. And there was about 12 magazines. And when I looked at them, I counted up how many of them were about food. And probably of the 12, eight were about food. There was gluten-free. There was uh, vegetarian, vegan. There was barbecue. There was gourmet. There was all kinds of different ways to cook. Canadian living is just wonderful, all those pictures. We used to get that when we were in Central Asia or Pakistan. Somebody would grace us with this. Canadian Living magazines with all this food that we couldn't get any of the ingredients for. (laughs) But we don't see as much in terms of clothing, but clothing is also a big issue. Uh, Peter and I were talking today about how, you know, how how the entertainment magazines talk about what everybody wore to the Oscars and who's the best dressed man of the year and who's the worst dressed and what were the royals wearing and just this focus on fashion and clothes. And we all know, basically, what's in fashion and what's not. not. I mean, I may not look like I do, but uh, <laughs> we have a general idea of what's in fashion and what's not. And uh, food, can, uh, food and clothes can become a real focus. So let's just take a look, though, first at the passages that we're talking about. Matthew, uh, in Matthew, uh, Jesus is going to talk, Jesus now goes on to talk about how we shouldn't worry about food and clothes. So, and why? Because of this. Now, what's he talking about when he says because of this? It usually looks back to the previous section. And it's because we're not supposed to store our things in heaven or in, on earth. We're supposed to store them in heaven. Our life has an eternal focus. It's because we have an eternal focus in our life. Because of that, I say to you, do not worry. Now, there are many ways to say do not worry. There's a school teacher that says, don't worry about it. Don't worry. You can have that strict don't worry. You can have all kinds of ways of saying it. And I'm just kind of imagining Jesus' tone when he said this. And I think just from the nature of the passage, I think it was a gentle, quiet tone. The same kind of tone that would have said, come to me, you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. He said, don't worry about this. Don't worry. He came as a poet, the one that looked at the grass and looked at the birds and looked at the flowers, and he said, you know, God cares for you more than these. This is a gentle warning not to worry. It's an encouragement not to worry. It's not someone standing over you saying, don't worry, that's faithless, and you are a sinner. (laughs) Okay, and what are we not to worry about? About life, what we'll eat or drink, and about our body, what we'll put on. Now, these are kind of essentials. These are survival things, right? Last week, Dan talked about things we store away. Well, this isn't even what we store away. This is thinking about 
what we're going to eat today and what we're going to have to wear. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't really had that issue in my life where I worried a lot about eating today. Have any of you had that? Some have. Okay. But we've lived in areas of the world where that is a real issue, where people sometimes don't know what they're going to eat today or what they're going to wear. And uh, uh, George, you just came back from Haiti, and that was an issue there, right? And uh, in those days, it probably was an issue for some people. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about what you eat or what you wear. It's no big deal. I got this. Right? So it's just the basics. What are we going to eat today? Okay. Um, So he's going to follow three arguments now as to why you don't need to worry about it. The first is that God cares for our bodies and he'll provide. The second is that worry is just a waste of time. And the third is that these issues shouldn't be our focus. So we're going to look first at the first one. God cares about our bodies and he will provide. Okay, which of these is more important? Just click that. Life itself or the food we eat? Life is more important, and that's what Jesus is saying. Which is the most important in the bottom? Our body or the clothes we wear? Our body. So what's God going to care about the most? Our life and our body. He's got it. He created it. That's what he cares about. The other part is incidental. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. And that's what he talks about later. We're, so the body <coughs> is something that he'll take care of. Life is more than food. Okay, in verse, uh, see now, what verse are we on there? Verse 25, he says, Do not work. What we eat or what we drink, nor about the body. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And now he says, which is greater? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor do they gather into barns, yet your father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? So why do you worry about clothes, considers the lilies of the field, how they grow? They neither labor or spin. Yet I say to you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So which is greater, a human or the creation, the rest of creation? In God's economy, everything's important. I mean, he cares about the sparrow, right? And he obviously took great care in all of these things. When I look at the variety of flowers that are out there. Now, my husband's a scientist, but he's got a little bit of an artistic soul because he is constantly taking pictures of flowers and birds and the tremendous amount of effort that God put into their design. Incredible how they're clothed. Greater than Solomon, who was the most, the richest king of all Israel. Greater than the royal family. Greater than anyone. God has greatly clothed the flowers, and he feeds the birds. He cares about them, but we trump that care. Actually, we're the crown of his creation. I mean, we've kind of, kind of uh, supposed to look after creation. We haven't done a great job at that. But we are the crown of his creation. Won't he care about us? That's the argument. Won't he care about us? If he cares about these things and these little details, won't he take care of us? 
Okay. So, uh, let's look, look at the next argument. Or this, these are issues to consider. Okay, so the birds don't labor. They don't reap or sow. They don't have to plant. They don't have to uh, prune those cherry trees. They don't have to do anything like that. They just get their food. Um, but they do have to work, right? Actually, it's a lot of work for a bird to eat. I forget how much a bird eats. I've once heard that they, they eat twice their weight in a day. Is that true? Is that possible? But it must be a lot of work to eat that much food. So they do work. And scripture says about us that we're not just to sit back and expect to lay by the stream and let God put food into our mouth. That's not what it's talking about. It's taught we have to work as well. Scripture teaches us that if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. So uh, we do have to work. Another issue to consider is that we have responsibilities for providing for others. You think about situations like Haiti or some of the places we've been in Pakistan. You sometimes wonder, is there enough food for everyone? Well, actually, the earth creates God has blessed the earth with lots of food and lots of provision for all of us. But we have to share it. There's a responsibility here on our part. God provides, but he might provide through our hands. And we have a responsibility to help others. So we have a responsibility in providing. Second thing, the third thing, we'll still have trouble. Now, we're told not to worry. Does that mean there won't be any problems at all? Is that what it means? We're told not to worry, but it's in the midst of having all kinds of problems. So it doesn't mean that uh, everything is going to be light and easy. Uh, Helmut Tellick, who was a, quite a famous theologian who lived in uh, Germany, and he wrote that he did a sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount just after the Second World War. So all of the bombings and uh, various things that the Allied bombers were doing at that time would have been very fresh on his mind and on the mind of the congregation. And uh, I'm just kind of trying to imagine what it would be like for them to hear the words of Jesus, don't worry, right? God provides for the birds and the flowers. He'll provide for you. To people that are living in the midst of that terrible tragedy and terrible difficulty. And some of you are living through difficulties and trials now. And it's hard sometimes to hear the word, don't worry about it, right? So it's important to remember how Jesus is coming alongside here with, oh, don't worry. What's his tone? What does he want to say to you? And this is what uh, Dr. Uh, Thel, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but uh, Helmut Talik, uh said in his sermon, We know the sight and sound of homes collapsing in flames. Our own eyes have seen the red blaze, and our own ears have heard the sound of crashing, falling, and shrieking. Nevertheless, I think we must stop and listen to this man, whose life on earth was anything but bird-like and lily-like, and he, point, he points us to the carefreeness of birds and lilies. Were not the sober shadows of the cross already looming over this hour of the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus was a man of troubles, and yet he calls us to that carefree, lily-like, 
bird-like freedom from worrying that God's going to provide. In the midst of trouble, we're called to a carefree, bird-like, lily-like, carefree, worryless life. That sounds almost impossible. But it is possible. Let's take another look at what's ahead. His next argument. We've looked at God cares for our bodies and will provide. His next argument is worry is a complete waste of time. (laughs) In the next part of the scripture, it says, which of you by worrying is able to add one cubit to his stature? Now, this is kind of a metaphor for who could extend their life. A cubit is about a foot and a half. So if you can imagine someone like worrying and worrying and worrying so that they'll grow another foot and a half or worrying and worrying and worrying so they'll extend their life. Does worry help anything? It's a complete waste of time. It doesn't change anything. So he's saying worry is a waste of time. First of all, God is going to provide for us. He cares about us. Secondly, worrying is a waste of time. Now, it's really interesting. The Greek word used here for do not worry, it's the term give no thought. It doesn't mean you don't think about stuff, but it's kind of like when your mind is whirling with worry. And uh, the Greek word is marineho, which is also used of Martha when she was distracted by many things. In other words, Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet and Martha was busy preparing food, getting things ready, and distracted and anxious about many things. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you're distracted and anxious about many things, but the most important thing is what your sister has chosen. That was also about food. Another time it was used was about the good seed sown among the thorns, where it talks about um, the cares of this life and the worries of this life took away the good seed and choked it out. It choked out the seed. So the cares of this life, again, choke out the good things God wants to do in our life, choke out our focus on the kingdom. Right? That's the meaning of the word. So, And worry by itself is a distraction. It's a waste of time. It doesn't change anything. It's not worth our effort. Third argument. Worry about food, drink, and clothes are the focus of unbelievers. Listen to what he says. For after, therefore, do not worry, saying, we shall, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we put on? For after these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father, Father knows that we need all these things. Now, the Gentiles were just people that didn't believe the way the Israelites believed. And worry about food and drink is the focus of the world all on the externals. And even food and drink, I mean, it's not even just external. We actually need it to survive. But it's not to be our focus. It's not to be the thing that catches our attention, that distracts us completely, that takes away our focus from the real important issues of life. Worry about food and drink is not for us. Let's turn to what the right focus is. Remember I talked about in the beginning the overview that we just had in society and in the kingdom. 
Well, in society, seeking and focusing on physical needs, food, drink, and clothing, is, the, is what happens. But what we're to do is to focus on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So let's take a look at that. This next verse is very well known. We could all quote it. Why don't we quote it together? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, we know that verse. What is the kingdom of God? Oh, let me do this first. If you read these passages, 31 to 33, it starts out with, Do not worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, but seek. So it's actually putting these two things together. Don't worry, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now let's look at what the kingdom of God is. We've talked about the kingdom of God for a long time, so let's just take a look. The kingdom of God, I understand it to be the rule of Christ in our life. It's the rule of Christ. It's means not just seeking first his kingdom, meaning, well, I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray more. That's what I'm going to do. That might be part of it. But what it really is, is having God's rule, me being submitted to him in every area of my life. It's not just setting him first. I think you've heard that, this um, thing that we say in Christian communities, God first, family second, work third. Has anybody heard that? It's not really like that at all. It's God first. That's it. And when God's first, it permeates our marriage, our work, and everything in our life. We submit our lives to God, and our families are changed. It's in the daily activities of our life, in our business ethic, in our relationship to our husband, in our relationship to our kids, in the way we do our housework, in the way we talk to other people, in Every area of our life, it's submission of ourselves to the, to the will and the glory of God. And the kingdom of God, in that sense, is when we are fully submitted to God's work. The kingdom is in us. In a bigger way, that's only a partial fulfillment of the kingdom. In a fuller way, in a future time, there will be the full fulfillment of God being in control and Jesus being the king of all. And that is a future time that's going to happen. So the kingdom of God, seeking first the kingdom of God, is about us submitting every area of our life, right from thoughts, actions, everything we do, to God. What about his righteousness? His righteousness, there's, that's a question. I don't know how you want to answer it. I guess there's two ways to answer that, right? It could, it could be, I want to be righteous in my life. That's a very individualistic way to look at things. We've lived in areas of the world where community is more the focus, and I think the Bible is more about community. And uh, so I think that the area of his righteousness, and John Stott uh, encourages this interpretation, is that it's about social righteousness. In other words, we want to see a fair community too. Fairness, justice, all the things that reflect the kingdom of God We want to see it in our community. And there are many people involved in both of these things. On the first, the kingdom of God is in me. I want to spread it out to other people near me. I want to spread it out globally. And it has a kind of an evangelistic focus. Uh, His righteousness is more of a social focus. 
I want to see fairness, justice, and um, help in the community. used to be that the Christian community was very active in this area, feeding the poor, still are, feeding the poor, education, all kinds of various areas where they're helping society. And that's coming back in, I think, more than it used to be. But those two areas, this is what we're to seek first, that Christ's reign would be total in my heart and that I would like to see the justice and the peace and the different uh, aspects of Christ's kingdom in my community. That should be my focus, not food, not clothes. Okay, so that's the general meaning of the passage. Let's just take a look at um, uh, what worry is. Okay, is worry sin? What do some of you think? Sin? Mm-hmm. Okay, there's, there's quite a, a span of how people think about it in the Christian community, and some think it's sin. I guess I would see it a little bit differently than that. I think it can be sin, but I think it's an automatic response. I think a lot of our emotions are just an automatic response. We don't, we, it's almost even before we think about it. We're afraid or we're worried or um, different reactions are just, we're built, we're hardwired to react to dangerous situations. We are. And we'll immediately jump at them. I think about my daughter used to have this snake. I don't know where she got the idea that snakes were great pets, but she did. And she had this boa constrictor. It was huge. And we had it in this aquarium. And um, if you walked by the aquarium, sometimes the snake would just jump at you. Now, I didn't think about anything. It's just I immediately like this. It's fast. It's before you think about it. You just say, that's dangerous, right? So we're kind of hardwired with those kind of emotions that happen. And uh, we can't help that, really. We can't help it when we start to worry about stuff. What we can do is we can make a choice about whether I'm going to continue to worry about that and whether that is going to paralyze me. Some people, that choice, as a counselor, for some people, that choice is more difficult. And that's because it's also uh, a reality that uh, we've all lived different kinds of backgrounds and lives, and we all come from different uh, stock, right? It's very clear in science that the tendency towards anxiety is hereditary. So uh, if you have a lot of really anxious people in your family, then it's quite possible that you're just wired a little more high-strung than someone else. So worry is going to come a lot more easily to you than it will to someone else. Peter doesn't worry as much as I do about some things. And, uh, but he's just calmer altogether, all the, all the way around. And then I know other people that are much more higher-strung than I am. And so it's part about our nature, too, which means we might have to fight that more. I have a lot of respect for people that are really strung so that they, they worry easily. I have a lot of respect for them as they try and work that through and work on it and work on it so that they're trusting their lives to God. So um, in one sense, worry is not a sin. It's a natural response to a dangerous situation. On another sense, if we allow that to control and paralyze us, it becomes a sin. And we do have a choice, and we need sometimes to have some helps to get through that. So what is worry? 
Worry is also our attempt to solve a problem that we don't know how to solve. We just let it go around and around and around in our head. We've got this situation we don't understand and we want to solve it, right? So our worry is that attempt. It's not usually very effective. It's also usually focused on the future, which is something we can't control at all. Worry is about something in the future, and it's always something in the future that's bad. (laughs) It's not something good in the future. We don't worry about that. It's in the future, and it's bad, and our minds get settled on it, and that's what we, we just can't shut that down. Anybody felt like that before? <laughs> okay, so what is worry? Let's look at the next part, and um, um, what have we learned from this passage? Uh, what are some of the things you think we've learned from this passage about the, the birds and the flowers and food and drink? Trust, okay, it talks about that. Oh, ye of little faith, can we trust that God cares for us? Can we trust it? We need to trust, right? God does care for us, and we need to trust him. Anything else we learned? Okay, it is a choice, all right? Yeah, to trust him is a choice. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's take another look at that. I'm going to click ahead. Okay, we need to have the right focus, okay? When we have a focus on the physical and the material, and that's all we're thinking about, whether we're going to get that or not. Am I going to have my food today? Am I going to be dressed properly? What am I going to do? What do I need to buy? Blah, 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 blah. If we're there, we're going to worry. If our focus is on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it's a different focus, right? Where all of a sudden we've got a new perspective on this issue. Because God says, he's going to take care of that. I got your back here. I got this. I made your body. I clothed the lilies. I look after the birds. You're more important. I got this. Don't worry about it. When your focus is here, you worry less about this. And that sounds simple when I say it like that. It is not simple in reality. That we have to just turn our attention to the things that are really, really important. And shut this part off. We need to trust God's care for us. This one we just talked about. And worry doesn't help. Okay? We're sitting and worrying and worrying and worrying. And there's a point where we have to say, this isn't helping anything. Like, this is totally non-productive. Like, why am I spending all my time doing this? Maybe there's a better way. Okay? It doesn't help. So that's what we learned from this passage. What about other passages? Let's go to the next slide. Okay, 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Notice again, he cares for you. So how do we cast our anxiety on him? Sometimes for me, what I need to do is just go to him with the issue and pray it through until I feel it almost lift off my shoulder. And I know that he has it and I've let it go. Does that make sense? We cast our anxiety on him because he cares about us. Give it to him. We can worry about it, and we can try in our mind figuring out how we're going to fix it. But that's not effective. We have to give it to him. Okay, next passage is in Philippians. We're probably all familiar with this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition along with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Now, what's really interesting about this verse is when I get people to quote it back to me, there's one line that they always forget. 
and it's with thanksgiving. Because we can be anxious for nothing and take it to God in prayer, but if we're just worrying out loud, what value is that? Right? We don't want to just take it to him and worry out loud. We want to, again, bring in the kingdom perspective, bring in his perspective, and be able to talk to him about our anxious thoughts with thanksgiving. I thank you that you've got this. I thank you that the birds of the field, you know how I feel about this. It's really hard for me to give this to you. But I want to thank you because you've said you care about me. And we bring in God's perspective. That little word, with thanksgiving, makes a whole difference in how we take our anxieties to God. Okay. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ. And the word guard is like garrison. It's like it puts a whole garrison, an army of protection around your heart. And that peace of God, this isn't just positive thinking, changing your negative thoughts, which is so much in a lot of psychology and a lot of the different techniques that are used in psychology. It's not just that. The peace of God garrisons your heart. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that steps in. And when you take your anxieties to God, when you pray them out until you feel that lift, until you feel God's peace come, that is the Holy Spirit. That's what that is. Okay, what are some things from common sense? Get some sleep. You know you worry a whole lot more when you're tired? Get some sleep and take care of yourself. Right? Exercise. Peter used to send me out to when I would be really anxious, because usually when I'm anxious, I just talk, 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 talk about something, and he can only take so much of that, really. So he'll all of a sudden say, Cheryl, go for a walk. Or Cheryl, why don't you get on the bike and go around the block three times or something, right? And it's funny how exercise actually does help to calm you down. It's kind of one of the ways God built our bodies. And uh, so exercise is a good thing. Talk to others to get some perspective. I'm not saying just talk to others like that worrying out loud to someone else. I'm talking about talking to others so you get perspective. Not so you can, you know, badmouth somebody. Not so you can just get somebody's sympathy or pity. But so you can get some perspective and some help. Talk to others to get some perspective. The next thing. Visit your doctor. You know, there are lots of things that cause a person to be anxious. Like you can have a thyroid issue. You can have a brain tumor. You can have, like, just even just simple things of, uh, well, anemia, Hormone imbalance, there's all kinds of things that can cause you to be more emotional than you normally are. That can cause you to get very, very worried. So visit your doctor. That's just something that maybe is a good thing to do if you're having a struggle. All right. Can you think about an area in your life where you worry? Peter and I were talking about this. We There's a lot of things we don't worry about, but we do worry about our kids sometimes. We worry about our house. Like It was so much easier, Carl was saying to me today. He's glad that he doesn't kind of have a house because he doesn't have to worry about a lot of stuff. And I'm thinking, you know what? We didn't have to worry about a lot of stuff before we had a house. (laughs) There's things we worry about that our mind is on. So we worry about that. What kind of things do you worry about? 
Where is the focus of your mind? Focus of your heart? Can we try and apply some of these things to those areas? And I want you all to remember, as you look around in the valley, look at the birds. Look at the flowers and remember, like Jesus called us to, how God cares for them. How meticulous he is and how he dresses them and designs them and how very much he loves and cares for you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you are the one who cares about us more than more than anyone. And, Lord, you're the one that's made provision for our lives, whether it's food or drink or clothes. There's so many things, Lord, that can capture our attention here on this earth. Will you captivate us, Lord, with eternal concerns? Will you help us, Lord, to seek your kingdom and your righteousness in our thoughts, in our actions, in our lives, and not be distracted and pulled away by anxiety about things that aren't that important? We want to thank you, Lord, that you love us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey, whether you're finding Jesus for the first time or you have been following him for years. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by what you heard today? We invite you to share this podcast so they can be encouraged, too. For more information or to ask more questions, you can connect with us through our website, ericksoncovenant.ca. You can also find us on Facebook by searching for the Erickson Covenant Church.